Blog Talk Radio. We are on air. It's the NFL Draft Bible College Football Bowl Season Risers and Sliders Show. Yes, we're back at it again, baby, with your host here, Rick Saratella. I'll be joined by Joe Everett and Justin Gamble shortly, but we want to welcome everybody to our brand new weekly podcast where we will count you down to Dallas. Final destination, 2018 NFL Draft, just four months away. Welcome to today's show, December 28th, 2017. we got a jam-packed episode. We're going to talk about college football, bowl season risers and sliders. We're going to talk about the college football playoff prospects along with the other New Year Day games on the docket. We also are going to talk underclassmen, good decision, bad decision, And maybe some of the decisions ahead, such as Drew Locke last night from Missouri, not receiving the draft grade that he really liked, but still considering dipping his toes into that NFL draft underclassman pool. We're going to talk about all that and more because we can't just stop. We will never stop. We're here to stay, baby. And listen, check out NFLDraftBible.com. We're putting out new scouting reports each and every day. We got uh, player spotlight interview shows each and every day. And real quickly, we have our NFL Draft Bible Scout Plus package available to you. Email me to learn more, RIC at NFLDraftBible.com, the best marketing tool possible to promote yourself to NFL scouts. We will send your professional scouting report, your interview everything that NFL scouts need to know directly to all 32 teams. Okay. It also includes social media promotion. Again, if you're a player, you're an agent, you're a parent, you've got a late Christmas present to give. You want to ring in the new year with draft season, email me, RIC at NFL Also one last reminder, there will be no regional combines this year. The NFL has announced, and that's why we are working with, The guys over at BSN, Beyond Sports Network, we're going to bring you a secondary combine. That's right. If you didn't get an invite to the NFL Scouting Combine, which you will know by January 3rd, if you received a letter that you were on the watch list by January 3rd, you can call and find out. And if you didn't, well, then this is the next thing because you're going to get tested and measured by NFL scouts and People are saying, oh, well, the NFL scouts aren't going to be there. Well, there was NFL scouts there last year. And now with the NFL Draft Bible coming on board, doing the scouting, the evaluation, this is going to be an invitation-only event. And believe me, we are bringing the talent. In the words of one NFL scout last year who was at the event, F the NFL, they can discourage this all they want. But at the end of the day, organizations want to win football games so nfl teams will be in attendance all right now it's time to get into our jam-packed show i appreciate your patience and we got a lot of great draft nuggets for you the buzz is growing louder in my ear because we're going to welcome in the stars of the show first off we have joe everett the director of college football scouting never leaving a stone unturned you can follow him at joe w everett of course based out there in indianapolis Covering the NFL scout scouting combine balls to the wall style. How you doing today, Joe? I'm doing great. Saw that the uh, Browns got two picks in the top five. Well, we'll just we'll have to see how they mess this up, Rick. 
Well, John Bor- John Dorsey <laughs> on board there to steer the ship correctly, get that mistake by the lake on track and riding the waves, baby, to the beach. And, of course, Justin Gamble, the co-director of college football scouting, always dropping the hammer at him on Twitter, at Scout. We welcome him into the show. I know he's just ready to spew all kinds of draft knowledge and hit you and bang you and bop you over the head with the gamble. Justin, how you doing? Good to be here, buddy. I missed the time off, man. I mean, it's been a while since we all got up and talked together, so this will be fun. This should be fun today. Yeah, we had to hit the reset button. Brand new weekly show here, NFL Draft Bible Radio, counting you down to the 2018 NFL Draft, of course, with me. All right, see, in the place to be now, it's time to get started into those college football bowl season games. There's one going on in just an hour. We're going to take you up. So 1 p.m. Eastern, and then you can get ready uh, for the military bowl. But, uh, fellas, gentlemen, start your engines. Let's rev it up. A bowl game risers. Uh, Joe, digging right into it. Started off with you. Quarterbacks and skill positions, we'll just throw them all together. Uh, who stood out to you that improved their draft stock during the bowl season thus far? Well, I don't I don't care if the listeners think I'm a broken record. Uh, I love every chance I get to watch this Frank Newtile at Temple. I, I, I'm just uh, kind of spellbound. Maybe I'm dead wrong on it, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> he's just setting everything up for next year, it seems to me. Uh, he's eligible for the draft. I don't know if uh, – yeah, I doubt he'll, he'll come out, but just the progression I'm seeing. Maybe I'm wrong, and Logan Marchie – uh, wins this job next year. I just don't see how that happens. He's uh, Newtown's just surprisingly mobile. He sees the field well. He, he throws receivers open. I see him extending plays. He's a tough kid that, you know, takes a lot of hits but just keeps on getting back up. Um, I, I think he can create his own throwing lane, but he's also got the height to see over and through a congested lane too. So, uh, yeah, I like the arm strength. I like the length. He's been winning games. I, I don't know how – he doesn't enter next season as one of the top senior prospects. And uh, as soon as you brought up Drew Locke, I mean, I, watching last night, sure, that, that that was not a bad look. or, or That was a bad look for Missouri, but I, I still like what I've seen out of this quarterback. I mean, he's got quick hands. He's uh, very savvy at the line of scrimmage. He catches teams, you know, with the 12th man on the field. Just seems to have that awareness pre-snap. Um, no, he doesn't have a howitzer. No, he's just not this complete pro prospect, but I like what I've seen out of Locke. Um, I don't know that he's ready to come out and uh, be a pro this year, but there's a lot of good tools to work with and just skill positions, guys. I'll just nail two out of it. Uh, Rashad Penny. We've been touting this guy since the all off season, since the summer podcast we've done. And, uh, boy, he's done nothing but back it up. I mean, he leads the nation in rushing yards, but it's not about the stats. He's been doing this the last couple of years it's just been outshined by Danelle Pumphrey and for good reason Pumphrey was a good player but I would argue to say Rashad Penny is the better pro here he he has a much better size I love the power he runs with just that combination at 200 plus uh, he has return kicks we know we can do it on special teams we know we can do it on offense uh, the Rashad Penny show has just been a kind of a joy to watch there for San Diego State so that uh, Kudos to him on a great career. And then last, uh, I've been boring you guys with this one. Out in Tate, Florida State, uh, just uh, just yesterday, the first bowl game of the day. I know it was just Southern Miss, but 
he stood over all those corners. He just could not be covered. Those three touchdowns, that's his game. He's much like a Brandon Marshall or maybe even Kelvin Benjamin that is from that same school. Uh, he wins with size. He wins with height. Derwin James may have been out. Maybe it's the backup quarterback. He's still out there beating whoever uh, uh, is bold enough to come up and match up against him. So, yeah, if, uh, there's a star of the Indian. Independence Bowl yesterday. I don't. I don't think it was Blackman, the quarterback. I think it was out in Tate. That kid getting three uh, touchdowns. Maybe only got 84 yards. Maybe he isn't the blazing fastest receiver you've seen. But out in Tate's a pro, guys. Well, you know uh, the guys over at the draft show, Brian Broadus, and those guys over at the Star down for the Dallas Cowboys uh, YouTube channel. One of my favorite uh, draft shows, not on the NFL Draft Bible channel. I saw those guys debating and, you know, talking about Auden Tate or Cortland uh, Sutton, who would be a better fit for the Dallas Cowboys. So the draft chatter is just getting started. And Frankie Nutzile, the pride of Donnie Brasco over there at Temple. I mean, this guy was just shot out of a cannon. And, God, man, I remember Hayden Moore from Cincinnati kind of came onto the scene at Cincinnati a couple years ago. And then his flame kind of, you know, dimmed. I hope that Frankie can – keep it up and, and Temple, you know, they turned it around. They started off slow with the new co- uh, coach there, Jeff Collins, but, you know, give him some patience. You know, he, he was uh, really touted for his recruiting when he was with Alabama and Richard Penny. I'm just going to go on the record right now and say, this guy's a top 50 selection in the upcoming draft. Now, I don't know if he's officially declared yet. We'll get to that portion of the show later on. Let's go over to Justin. Any any thoughts or comments on what Joe said, Jay? And then also, who are your uh, risers on the skill position side of things? Well, I like what Joe was talking about, Rashad Penny. And it, it kind of pisses me off that we gave – we had to watch Donnell Pumphrey take his carries last year. I mean, come on. The kid was 150 <laughs> pounds, and Penny is just ripping through the NCAA um, – I, I I don't know if he's going to be a first round pick, probably not. But he's a fantastic player. Um, you know, there's just not a lot of holes in his game. You you try to break down like where he could fail or where he could even be held back in the NFL. And there's not a lot of areas that he doesn't excel at. So um, I second what Joe said. Penny is great. And then um, Cedric Wilson for Boise State had a huge bowl game: ten receptions, 221 yards, um, and a touchdown. Uh, he's kind of thin, but I think when you look at the way that he's able to use his um, fluidity, his hands, his size, um, when he gets to the NFL and maybe gets in the NFL weight room and starts, you know, gets above 190 pounds, the NFL might have a problem because he knows how to use his body. His his body, his, the, the, the control he has at the line of scrimmage and the ability he has to adjust to the ball in the air um, and kind of contort himself and make tough catches, and also run after the catch. I mean, this guy has some skill. I think maybe just playing for Boise State has kept him under the radar, but um, height, weight, speed, prospect, this is one of them. Um, You know, not getting a ton of buzz for some reason, and I I don't know why that is. But um, And then if we're going to toss out quarterbacks and skill positions, um, Josh Rosen, he gets my vote just for not playing in his bowl game because, you know, the healthier he is, the better off he is going to be. So, um, you know, the fact that he had that concussion, it sucks, but I really didn't want to see him go play against Kansas State and just get mugged for 60 minutes. So I'm kind of happy that we got to see the top quarterback in the draft kind of take a breather and rest up his body before the draft and everything. Yeah, and I'll give Rosen credit 
say what you want, agree or disagree with what he says. To me, it's refreshing to see a quarterback toe the line, that, that confident borderline cockiness that I think all great quarterbacks have. And kudos to him, man, for being a fresh breath of air instead of just being a programmed, mm-hmm. robotic, generic, answering machine when it comes to his press conferences, man. This guy's confident. I don't care if you agree or disagree what he says. I like the moxie. I like what he brings to the table. And you know what? I think a lot of what he's saying, I think there's a lot of truth to it. So, um, again, agree or disagree, Josh Rosen right now, my top-rated quarterback in this year's draft class, which means probably the number one overall selection. We'll see how that situation pans out. As Joe mentioned, the Browns, uh, you know, two picks in the top five there. Um, You know, Giants probably with the number two pick, interesting situation there. But, uh, you know, just a couple guys here. You know, you mentioned Cedric Wilson. I just like the way that they get him involved. He comes around with the end of rounds. You know, he takes a screen pass, turns it into a 10-yard gain. Then you see the speed on that 65-yard bomb there. And then, you know, his teammate on the other side of the ball, the linebacker, Vander Esch, you know, a lot of people on both sides of the fence, you see varying opinions on what he brings to the table, but 12 tackles, three for a loss, had a sack, fiery energy kind of guy. I know we've talked about Michael Gallup over there at Colorado State, you know, one of those early yeah. uh, bowl games there. But, man, this guy, he's just got great instincts. He just adjusts to the ball in the air, stretches. I don't know about that quarterback over there. I mean, but this kid can definitely play. Um, I don't know how high. I don't know how high he goes. Is he a possible first-round pick? He could well, very well be. Um, and then the Middle Tennessee State uh, program has been putting out some defensive backs. And, you know, I've been talking to the coaches over there, that number six, Mike Minter, and also number two, Ward. Uh, these are two guys just about every NFL team has been in over there at that middle, middle Tennessee campus to check these guys out. And uh, Minter is a guy that could be a solid mid-round pick. Lowell, Lotiolele, and that Utah Utes front line, just, you know, dominant there against West Virginia. Um, and then, you know, I'm going to throw – I've been watching the FCS playoffs a lot. Uh, Brandon Parker was a guy from North Carolina A&T that we were definitely watching. I think he probably kicks in inside at the next level. But I got to say – I was doing some homework, and, and credit to Jacksonville State. Uh, I love their video chop-ups on YouTube. The Jacksonville State games, they have it nice and condensed. I couldn't find any uh, you know, film on Darius Jackson, the defensive end there. But, that, you know, I start watching the Jacksonville State games, and, God, you know, Rock Thomas, top five running back recruit coming out of high school, I think Auburn. I mean, this yep. guy, he, he reminds me of uh, – the, the kid from Oregon a couple of years ago, they were calling Black Mamba, DeAnthony Thomas, I think he's with the Chiefs. Very similar skill set, body frame type of thing. And uh, just a couple guys that have caught my eye thus far. And gosh, man, this is just a great time of the year. Uh, we've got a lot of more bowl games. How about this kid? Just to keep on your radar, gentlemen. Uh, it, it was hard to watch because the game was over before the first quarter ended, but that FAU uh, running back, I mean, they, the Owls put up a 50 spot, uh, Lane Kiffin and them guys. But how about this sophomore running back from FAU, Devin Singletary? I mean, 32 rushing touchdowns, 
1,900 <laughs> plus rushing yards. I mean, over 2,000 total. I mean, this guy can potentially be a Heisman candidate next year. I, I'm not kidding. Um, so Devin Singletary giving you something to think about. And that's the beautiful thing. You know, you get a guy like Sutton Smith from Northern Illinois with 32 tackles for a loss on the year. And that's what these bowl games are just great about, man. And, you know, I could sit, I got notes here for days, but you know, I, well, you know, I guess you'll have to just subscribe to our email list if you want to, or something like that. I'm going to be uh, blasting out my bowl game notes and, uh, We've got some great articles on the way at the NFLDraftBible.com. That's all I can tell you. All right, before we move on to our sliders, Joe, any other players you want to throw out there that caught your attention so far? I swear you were looking straight for my notes. Vander Esch from Boise, I thought he had a great game. And Lola Tulele, just unblockable. I think two and a half tackles for loss tonight. It was unfair. Will Greer is out that with that uh, broken hand in his throwing arm, but, you know, that didn't matter. The offensive line still can't block Star's little brother. So, uh, yeah, I think a little too late for his last game there. Uh, and then the uh, Utah receiver, uh, Carrington, who came over from Oregon, he didn't have mm-hmm. any kind of special game here, but just all season, man, he has been go-to. I, I don't know how you switch programs right before the season and establish yourself as the man uh, on a program that, you know, no one even knows your name. So I think that's uh, – Carrington really showed me something this whole season, much less the bowl games. But, yeah, I think uh, Vander Esch, Lotulele on defense, those two had great, great bowl games. Did anyone watch, yeah, and you did met- anyone watch the Texas Tech game, the UC, mm. USF and Texas Tech? Because USF had – there, what the defensive lineman, Deidre Sanat, um, kind of looks like mm-hmm. Abby Jernigan a few years ago from Florida State, but he wrecked that Texas Tech line for a bit. I mean, they ended up losing, I think. I don't remember what the final score is, but he had his way with them for a bit. Um, yeah, dude, like all, all season long, too, that kid's been flashing. I don't know if anyone's really seen him or he's on a lot of the radars, but that's a good player over there. Um, small, stumpy dude, but he's throw, he's tossing people left and right, man. I think he's a guy that's going to really rise throughout the process, and I think he's going to build that momentum. I think he got a Shrine Game invite or one of these All-Star Game invites, and I could see him going on to the Combine doing well there and just really escalating up teams' draft boards. And you mentioned Carrington, Joe. I mean, he's been the top receiver in that conference all season long, the length, the speed, definitely some things to like. And, and low to Lely, I was kind of on the fence about whether or not he was a first-round pick, but after watching that performance the other day, uh, he has me sold. So I, I think he's definitely in that first-round mix right there. Uh, Justin, any other final thoughts before we move on to sliders? Nah, let's get to it, man. <laughs> All right, kick it off. All right, uh, sliders, um, Toledo quarterback Logan Woodside. For me, he needed a big game, you know, in his uh, bowl, whatever, in – the thing is, is he doesn't have great traits. He's not going to wow you, um, you know, on your first view. I think he needed to have a consistent season, which he did for the most part. Um, he's been, you know, a record-setting quarterback over there. But then his bowl game, he kind of fell flat a little bit. Um, and I think it, that's that's tough for him because he needed one of those big games. You know, that way he can show scouts or kind of put it in scouts' minds like, hey, this dude had another big game. Now we're going to have to rewatch this tape again. Let's really study this and everything. But I think – 
Now, when you look at the box score to start, if you're a bot, you know, if you're one of the guys who checks the box score, just kind of know what you're getting into. A lot of scouts might be kind of thinking to themselves, eh, we'll put that one to the back of the pile. We'll come back to it. Cause you know, it, it's obviously not good. Um, and that's the thing is he, like I said, he's not a guy with, he doesn't, he's not the tallest guy. He doesn't have the best arm. Um, he's, you know, decently accurate, but he's not going to make, he might not be an NFL starter. Uh, and so, you know, to have such a, I guess, poor, you know, performance on his very last game is, uh, is a tough one for him. And I think that kind of, you know, that's going to send his name to the back. He's going to slide down a little bit. It just, it just makes it tough on him. It's a tough road ahead for him now. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll give you uh, one other quarterback here that, to be aware of. Buyer beware. Brandon Silvers from Troy. You know, we've talked about him in the past. He had a big bowl guarantee, four touchdowns. Just be careful of this guy. You know, he telegraphs his passes. He he reminds me of David Fales. You know, I think he was with the Bears from San Jose State a few years back. So there's your pro comparison. Take it for what for what it's worth. And then, you know, Nick Stevens, again, you know, I don't want to pile on the trash heap, but, you know, I just didn't see. And I think he has an East-West Shrine game, in, but I just don't see pro quarterback. And, you know, I, I, I just I don't see uh, why the Shrine game is wasting their time with a guy like that. Uh, and Jer- Jeremiah Briscoe, for all the hype over there at Sam Houston State, again, dipping back to the FCS playoffs, I just don't see an NFL signal caller there. Now, D3 playoffs, too, this kid, Luis Perez, I was glad to get a chance to see him, the Texas A&M Commerce uh, quarterback, who is just a really raw QB, and, and uh, they won the D3 championship, I believe, We've got a scouting report up there on the NFL Draft Bible uh, website. We've got about 20 quarterbacks or, or so right there on the home page. You can get our scouting report index page, and, you know, we have a lot of quarterbacks evaluated. So I just want to put some quarterbacks out there, fan the flames a little bit on those three QBs that everybody's trying to hype up. And, you know, this Western Kentucky tight end, his name is slipping my mind uh, at the moment, but there's a tight end over there, never played tight end until this season. Uh, I think he went for over 1,000 yards. But this is a guy, he'll be out there at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, which, by the way, will be on location. Um, this Western Kentucky tight end is really going to be a guy who comes out of nowhere, six foot five, 255 pounds, incredible athleticism, a thousand plus receiving yards, never played the position before. So the, uh, just another guy to keep an eye on. I'm going reverse risers, sliders. Hey, we're talking bowl games, but now we're going to shift gears and uh, keep it moving. Keep it grooving. Um, underclassmen track. We'll get back to the bowl games. You know, we're going to talk about the new year's day, Michigan, South Carolina, UCF, Auburn, Notre Dame, LSU, and then, of course, the college football playoff matchups, Georgia-Oklahoma, Alabama-Clemson. I mean, you could do a whole show on that Alabama-Clemson game alone. Um, But first, we want to talk about the underclassmen tracker. We've been uh, keeping tabs. Good decisions, bad decisions. Let's start it off with you, Joe Everett. And first, I know you're getting all anxious to dive right into it. The listening audience is really anxious, too. I know we've got a lot of scouts and teams and players and agents listening to the show. Parents, they want to know. Hey, parabolic performance and rehab is where it's at, man. Welcome to the East Coast Bully Club. I mean, we are just adding some really good talent there. 
um, at the Parabolic Performance and Rehab Training Facility in Manalapan, New Jersey, at Sportica Sports. Listen, I tell you, any player who walks into the building, they, that's it. It's a done deal. That's where they want to train because it's the largest facility on the East Coast. All the state-of-the-art equipment, uh, world-class trainers. I mean, top-notch physical therapy. And you know, Jamar McLuster from Syracuse. He's heading to the East-West Ryan game. I saw him yesterday. He's already working out, getting down to it. Uh, Justin Spencer from Youngstown State. He's already started his draft uh, preparation there at Parabolic and um, Kamoko Torre. The Kamoko Dragon from Rutgers, you know, uh, hey, this guy is going to the Senior Bowl, he's going to the Scouting Combine, and now he's going to Parabolic Performance and Rehab because it's just how we get down, baby, and I'm really looking forward and excited uh, to the East Coast Bully Club, okay? Um, now, go parabolic.com for more information there. And listen, you know, we're only taking so many guys – our coach to uh, player ratio, you know, every three or four players, you know, four to one type of ratio. We're not, we're not just taking anybody and everybody. So uh, I know Marvin Jones is on board this year. The the former first round pick from the Jets, Florida State Football Hall of Famer. We got Devin Kennard and and uh, Mark Kurzilich. I mean, a lot of good linebackers coming to train with us as well. So we're really excited about that. Now, the underclassmen tracker. Good decisions, Joe. Who are some of the guys that you saw come out and said, you know what, that's a really good decision? Well, there's a few that just kind of had to set up. I think uh, the one six out Cortland Sutton now after that bowl game. Uh, I mean, once the coach leaves, that offense just died with him. So I think Sutton's making the right move. He was supposed to come out. Um, I guess one underrated I really like uh, the the South Carolina the, the, the tight end Hurst, Hayden Hurst, super-sized kid. I think he really not only had a great season, but this is the right time. It's not a particularly strong tight end class, so he could take advantage of that. Uh, just um, I, I believe it's a shallow group to where maybe he's not, you know, there's some fans of his that are talking about the first round. That might be crazy, but top 100 at this at this point is very well within his grasp. I mean, the size he's got. Uh, the ball skills is kind of uncanny for as big a player he is. So, yeah, I endorse his decision to declare early. And then uh, I think kind of playing off the same thing. It's not a great super wide receiver group. And Simi Cobbs, uh, I think this is a solid decision, no matter what anybody says, just can, they can, uh, the direction of Indiana at this point. Uh, they're going to much more of that dual threat, the, the zone read. It's an option type of quarterback here in Bloomington now. And I don't know what kind of passing games – we're going to have going forward. I'm a big fan of Mike DeBoard, the offensive coordinator, but Tom Allen, I'm not sold on as head coach. So uh, I think uh, that's sitting at home thinking about this one, uh, losing to Purdue in that open bucket game. That's got to have some some decision makers uh, for the Hoosiers uh, rethinking this decision. But as far as Cobbs goes, um, I think this is a great time to jump ship for him. He's taken advantage of what was a very good season, and particularly some good footage against uh, Ohio State's corners. If you go back and watch that first game of the year, uh, Cobbs was basically one of the best players in that entire game. So, uh, yeah, I like uh, Cobbs' decision there. I think the both of them, Hurst and Cobbs, are really parlay and uh, what was a great year into what should be the solid draft stock at this point, particularly Hurst. I think that's 
probably of all of these underclass, and that's the smartest decision I've uh, seen from the group. Yeah, agree. Tight end class, not so strong. And you mentioned the wide receivers. This could be a record setting. I mean, I don't, we haven't even got, you know, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Deion Kane, several others. They haven't yet to even declare. And you've already got, I mean, Simi Cobbs, uh, the kid from Texas Tech, Kiki Cote, uh, Quandre Henderson from from Pitt is declared. Richie James from Middle Tennessee State has declared. DJ Moore from Maryland, Cortland Sutton, who you mentioned, Joe. I mean, there is going to be a ton of wide receivers, and you know, you talk about a guy like uh, Michael Gallup and these and C- Cedric Wilson, some of these senior guys that are going to get probably bumped down to the second and third, and you know, maybe even some of these guys slide down to day three. I think the wide receiver class is shaping up to be uh, very deep at the very least. You know, say what you want about the star studded at, at the top of the wide receiver class, but at the very least, you're going to get some very quality wide receivers very deep into this year's draft. Uh, Justin, who do you got for us in terms of good decisions on the underclassmen behalf? I mean, I'm always a fan of guys that come out on a high note. You know, you have a huge season, and there might be, you know, some advantages of staying one more year, but, you know, you blow it up, make that money. And Taven Bryan from Florida was an absolute game wrecker this year. Um, And I know Dan Mullen's coming into Florida now, and, you know, he has a history of using his players well and putting his guys in the right spots to succeed. So I wouldn't have blamed him if he returned to Florida, you know, and, um, you know, we saw Chris Jones come out of you know Mississippi State before, and now he's a star in the NFL. And you know, I I wouldn't have blamed him either way. But the fact that he had such a monster year and kind of blew, you know, just burst onto the scene and started wrecking stuff. Taven Bryan to me, he's a top ten player right now. Um, the 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 functional strength and the the burst off the ball, the ability to just kind of play any position on the D line, the versatility that he brings to any. NFL squad is kind of, you know, it's invaluable. So, um, Kevin Bryan coming out, that's huge for me. And then Isaiah Oliver from Colorado. Uh, I had a chance to see him live this year a few times, actually, over the course of his career. And uh, just a, a long, fluid corner. Um, he's got the ball skills. He's got the recovery speed. And CU, it doesn't really look like they're on the up and up right now. So, I think he's one more year. It's not really going to get better. He could have another solid year. But as a corner, you know, being on a losing team, it doesn't really put you in the position to showcase, you know, your ability and pass coverage and just a lot of different things like that. So for him to have such a big year again, too, and then, you know, decide to come out, I can't blame him there. I mean, smart move. And then last one, Josh Allen. <laughs> the the mess at Wyoming has to be put to an end, man. And, I, and he has to come out and get on an NFL squad. I don't think it matters where he goes in the draft. I kind of hope he does fall a little bit. That way there's not that pressure on him to get in and save somebody. Um, So maybe having not such a good year was not such a bad thing. But just come out, get on an NFL squad, start learning their playbook, show that you can be a different player than the guy you were at Wyoming because that was just – it's brutal to watch this past year. So um, I think it was a smart move on him to come out. There's nothing to gain from staying one more year out down there in Laramie. Well, I agree with you. Uh, I think it's smart for Josh Allen to come out this year. I thought it would have been even smarter if he came out last year. 
But, uh, you know, hey, John Elway in attendance, ain't that something? I mean, the, <laughs> Josh Allen, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, Trevor Singer. I mean, Denver's trying to get it oh, right. Um, all those guys, and and they're still scouting quarterbacks. So I think that, you know, guys like Jordan Whitehead, who some people are questioning why he declared at that safety position, I think, you know uh, – at the back end of the first round, if you need a safety, I think Jordan Whitehead could be a possibility. Uh, so, you know, I think he's taking a little bit of heat, uh, undeservingly so. Frank Ginda over at San Jose State, I mean, you know, we knew who he was coming out. Only Luke Keekley, I think, had more tackles in a single season in the history of college football. Why come back to a one-win program? You might not go on day one. You might not go on day two. But if you really came back – were you going to be a top 100 pick anyway? Probably not. So, you know, why not get an early start on that second contract? And, um, you know, those are a couple guys. I'm going to I'm going to switch gears now to bad decisions, and I'll kick it off here, gentlemen. Uh, Southeastern Louisiana, the the Teo Mama, Teo Hima, Mayo Teo Hama. Listen, I know you're from LSU and all that, but you're an <laughs> offensive guard and. You know, quite honestly, I, I can find a lot of players similar uh, to your skill set. It wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't even get drafted. So, you know, maybe he's a day three guy. Just, you know, I'm not so sure I agree with that decision. Um, and then, you know, not that I necessarily disagree, but I think you're starting to see another trend here where now we've got a punter from Texas. We've got a kicker from Florida. You know, hey, two, <laughs> two special teams, guys, is more than enough. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be a new trend, if this is something we will continue to see. But uh, just, you know, oh, I always raise the eyebrow when a kicker or a punter declare early. Uh, Justin, who do you got in terms of sliders? Uh, for me, it was a few of the cornerbacks. Like, Jair Alexander declared from Louisville. And I don't know if it's the worst decision, but the fact that he was injured some this year, so he didn't get to kind of put out the best tape he could have had. And then being undersized, there's going to be those questions about him. So he's already got, you know, two knocks on him. And then also you're stepping into a really deep corner class. So do you really think you're going to go super high? And I don't know if that's on his that's on his mind. I don't know if he cares about his draft spot, but – Jair Alexander declaring just seemed kind of weird when, you know, the defense that he's playing on isn't super untalented or anything like that. You know, he could go back and they could have another big year um, and kind of improve on what they started. So that was a little bit of an odd choice. And then Holton Hill from uh, Texas, uh, I know he had a decent year too, but it was like it's such short-lived and in another in a deep corner class when NFL scouts and NFL teams are really – you know, the, the scouts that I've talked to, they say with corners, they want to see experience. They want to see as many snaps as possible. They're trying to get the biggest sample size they can because every snap for a cornerback is different. They're asked to do different things. So they want to see them put in all the scenarios, every different type of situation they can be in. And I just feel like Holton Hill kind of was a flash in the pan. And now he decided, hey, I'm coming out when, you know, I think showing, uh, you know, giving scouts a little more sample size would have been beneficial to him because, yeah, he's a talented player, but is he really going to – I don't think he's going to be drafted up to his talent. Uh, I think he could be a first-round talent, but is he going to go near that high? I don't know, and I just think that sometimes 
you know, that happens. And as a, as a player, I would want to match that. I would want to put my talent. I would want to be picked where I deserve to go, and I'm not sure that's going to be the case for him. All right, over to Joe Everett. Bad decisions. Joe, what do you got for us? Where to begin? I mean, more more than anything, that Richie James kid you mentioned from Middle Tennessee, I, I just don't see it. I mean, two decent years, and he's been injured most of this season. Not the way to go. And then my boy, Antonio Callaway from Florida. I, this kid was supposed to be a player, but I kind of saw like a Percy Harvin, T.Y. Hilton kind of player, but he hangs out with known drug dealers, known criminals. He's been suspended and kicked off, you name it. So I just don't understand why now is a good time. Of course, then again, where are you going to go when you're just kind of a known screw-up at this point? Uh, I really hate to say it, but Callaway, if he gets drafted at all, is kind of his story now. Uh, for, he's a first-round talent. I mean, you put on his footage, there's no arguing what's on the field. It's just the nightmare off it. Boy, uh, just terrible. Justin Blackman. for him. Yeah. Justin I mean, Blackman. it's just yeah. right up there. I mean, he's made similar, just cut from the same cloth. I almost think Callaway is even more talented, which is a real shame. But uh, uh, the, the two tackles, uh, Connor Williams from Texas, I think there was a real chance for this guy to be a high first-round player. But the injured season, I mean – at this point, you'd have to test through the roof just to get back in day one. And I, even with great tests, I think he's still kind of on the outside looking in. I don't know why he doesn't stay. I mean, Texas has got some good things going. Herman's going to be back. Uh, I can only assume the offense has to be more cohesive uh, next game. And also, what's not a good look for Connor Williams, Missouri just got punked by Texas in that bowl game last night without him. So, uh, not exactly. Is he even I don't a tackle? Know. Yeah, there you, know, you I go. To, I, I mean, talked to Brandon Thorne at the CU game, who was one of the you know one of the scouts for the Senior Bowl, and he goes, "When I watch Connor Williams in pass protection, I'm not even sold he's a tackle yet." He goes, "I, I don't know if he has you know the smooth feet and the kick slide to even to do that yet, or the length. You know, there's just so many questions surrounding him. I think you're right, Joe. I don't know if him declaring was the best move." And I question the length, too. Does he fit on yeah. the island out there? And then uh, the other tackle, and hell, you could throw the whole pit team out here. I don't know why they made the decisions they've made, but uh, Brian O'Neill, <laughs> that's a kid. I thought he was a surefire top 100. I mean, all the athletic ability, he was a tight end recruit. We've seen him run touchdowns in. It's like, oh, holy cow, here's the, the next great left tackle. And it, it's been anything but this season, the, the whole pit program I think's kind of gone down to two since uh, Canada left on offense there so uh, Brian O'Neill declaring early Jordan Whitehead declaring early uh, their receiver to the Henderson I just I think all three may have done a little bit better to, to return to school maybe there's something going on at school that hey we just can't go back at this point but I thought Brian O'Neill man spend another year in school hone your craft you're still kind of a raw tight end uh, switch over there, so I, it's it's upsetting because I guess O'Neill got his draft advisory grade and he was pretty happy with the grade and made the decision, but I don't think that grade's going to match the outcome here. Well, you know, you got to take a look uh, what's going on there with the Pittsburgh program, all these underclassmen declaring early. Uh, something's going on, so you know, we got about. Mm, 
10 minutes or so left in the show. This has been NFL Draft Bible Radio. It's a new weekly podcast. If you like what you heard, we appreciate it. If you like it, share it, comment on it. Hey, even go to iTunes and rate us over there because we're not getting the respect we deserve. You understand what I'm saying? When you go search NFL Draft Podcast, we're not coming up over there. So you need to go over there, like it, touch it, feel it, rate it, comment it. Uh, we appreciate all the support in all seriousness, though. And, you know, we have about 10 minutes left, and we were going to try to get the other New Year's Day bowl game matchups, but because Georgia, Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson is so prospect loaded with 10 minutes left, maybe we can get, you know, five minutes on each game. Joe and Justin, you take two or three minutes each on your thoughts, and then, you know, maybe if we have time, we'll get some notes, slap it up on the NFL Draft Bible website. Unfortunately, we are – clicking down to the nitty-gritty. So before we get to that, I just want to let you know, premierathleteadvisors.com, Adam and Matt, I've known these guys now for a little more over a year, and they've just come a long way. If you check them out on Facebook or Twitter, you'll see all the clients that they're representing in this year's NFL draft. I've never seen a sports agency come so long in just a short period of time. So if you're an NFL draft prospect and looking for representation and want some solid NFL agents, they're tapped into the network, baby, because, hey, if you mess with the NFL Draft Bible, then you're pretty well connected. So check out PremierAthleteAdvisors.com. And uh, the college football playoffs are coming, you know, a few days away now here, gentlemen. Uh, let's start, start it off with that Georgia-Oklahoma matchup. And, uh, Joe, you know, we're just going to go open roundtable discussion here. Just tell me what you see when you take a peek into the crystal ball at this matchup here. Strength versus strength. Uh, this is one of the best defense Oklahoma is going to see. This is one of the best offenses Georgia is going to see. So that side of the ball is where you want to watch. I mean, those uh, those linebackers for Georgia, Raquan Smith, I, that, that's got to be a, a first-rounder in the making right there. Just that whole front seven is going to be the real battle against uh, another first-rounder. I think uh, Oklahoma's left tackle, Orlando Brown Jr. We've uh, spent plenty of time talking about him on the show, Graham, here, and for good reason. I, I, that could be the first tackle off the board, uh, the size they've got, and then that tight end Oklahoma has in Andrews, what a threat he is. I think it just boils down to this going to come down to Baker Mayfield extending the pocket, making the plays, freelancing the way he does. And if, if that's, the, you know, the end of things, I, I just have a tough time standing in Baker Mayfield's way. The the kid has uh, really turned me into a believer this year. And I think, yeah, Oklahoma wins a bit of a shootout. With I don't think a lot of people would expect that with this Georgia defense here. But, yeah, there's going to be points galore and just, Hey, this is a playoff game for a reason. These are really – this is a, a great Oklahoma offense. And, yeah, that Georgia Dogs, they've got few weaknesses, I think, all phases. So, yeah, I got the Sooners in a close one there. Yeah, you know, it's funny because, uh, Justin, I'll get over to you. I, obviously, we're going to talk about Alabama, Clemson as well, but Georgia, Oklahoma. Any four of these teams, if you told me, was going to win the national championship would not surprise me. But, yeah, I agree with Joe. Uh, I have Oklahoma slightly edging out Georgia, but Justin, your take here, a little quick prediction, and then, you know, what's your take on yeah. the prospects in this matchup? Yeah, I think, you know, if I'm Kirby Smart, you know, I'm looking at it from a coach point of view. 
you, if you're Georgia, run that ball. Keep the ball away from Baker Mayfield. And I think that's the thing. I think Georgia probably can run the ball at will on Oklahoma. Um, and that's going to set up the play-action pass for the freshman quarterback. I think if you can run the ball, score points, and just give Baker Mayfield the ball as little as possible, and you know, try to not let that OUD or OU offense get into rhythm, um, you know, that's their recipe for success. You look at even if Georgia gets on pass downs, gets on obvious pass downs, Oklahoma has one pass rusher. They have one clear pass rusher in Ogbonia Okoronko. You know, and if they can stifle him, I don't see how OU's defense has any ammunition against Georgia. So I, you know, run the ball, keep it away from Baker, and I think Georgia might win this game. Um, OU is going to have to outscore Georgia. I think they're going to have to hit some big plays, hit some chunk plays, and they're going to have to try and outscore them. And they're going to have to do it quick because I, I, I just don't see Kirby Smart giving Georgia the ball or giving uh, Oklahoma the ball enough to put up the kind of points they're used to putting up. So I think this is a defensive battle when it comes down to it, and I think Georgia ends up winning this one. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I'm, I think Kirby's going to do his very, very best to keep the ball out of uh, Baker's hands, and you know it's going to be a, a lower-scoring game than I think we predicted. All right, so uh, there you have it with the Georgia-Oklahoma matchup, and uh, we appreciate all the listeners and their feedback here uh, on the Twitterverse that we're getting in. So, listen, let's switch gears now. Alabama versus Clemson. Uh, this time we'll start it off with you, Justin. Yikes, man. Uh, so for me, this one's tough, man, because, you know, I see on paper, I still think Bama has the edge, but I've been saying it all season. Jalen Hurts is just so bad that it limits what Alabama can do within the playbook. It limits their play calling. It limits just so many things that they want to do. I mean, you watch Calvin Ridley's tape and you think this guy should have a million catches and a million yards with the way he's just destroying these cornerbacks and safeties, but Hurts can't see him. Hurts can't anticipate. Uh, and, and it's, it's frustrating as hell, but Clemson doesn't look like the same defense to me. They did last year. This year, they look a little, a little less emotional and a little less like they're being led by someone like Bulware, you know, and they're not, I think they've, they've been pushed around a few games and I think Alabama might be able to impose their will early and start running the ball. You know, and if they can get Hurts running the ball consistently too, and kind of get the play, get the defensive coordinator, or get Brent Venables and the whole defense a little confused early on about who's going to be taking the ball each snap. Um, you know, Bama might be able to run away with this one, but um, they're going to have to get after the young quarterback Bryant from Clemson. I think if they can do that too and get him rattled, you know, it's going to be a long game for Clemson. They do have the skill players to match up with anybody, but I think they're a little more vulnerable at important spots like the young quarterback. Um, you know, the offensive line, you know, in t- inside the off- – the, the, what am I trying to say? The center and the two guards, I think they're – they've shown that they can be pushed around a little bit this year too. So, um, overall, Bama looks to me like the team that could, you know, win in the trenches on both sides of the ball and also the play calling. They have a little more versatility even though Hurts is not good through the air. But I think they run the ball better and they can do a lot more things. So, for me – Bama and, you know, Rashawn Evans on defense, I think, if they can get Dylan Moses, the freshman linebacker, if they can get him in the game plan early and kind of get him comfortable, um, I think they might be able to set the tone and kind of keep 
Clemson's explosive offense in check. That's my thoughts, at least. Well, you know, I think a lot of valid points there. I think this is turning into a little bit of a rivalry. And, Joe, I don't know about you, I would never, ever underestimate the taste of revenge. Oh, yeah. There's got to be a factor here from last year. Uh, but the difference is I think that both these defenses are, are not as good as last year's versions, particularly Alabama, that those linebackers. I mean, thank goodness for Sean Evans still healthy uh, because without Sean Deion Hamilton, I really think they're missing their quarterback of the defense there. Uh, sure, they've got the talent all along that defensive line, but I think they can be had at corner. I think they can be had at linebacker, and that's where Clemson's really – they have to get the football – into uh, Ray Ray McLeod's hands, Renfro's hands, and just over the middle of the field, those uh, those crossers, little slants, little baby screens. I think that's where they can kind of just get Alabama chasing. And when they don't have uh, a, a guy like Sean Dean, I, I thought the world of that kid. I still can't. I know it's, he's had hard luck knee injuries, but love to see where he ends up at the pro level. But I think, yeah, the uh, injuries catch up with Bama here, and i I don't want to say it, but somebody needs to. The best quarterback in this game is holding a clipboard behind Jalen Hurts. Bring me to a tongue of Aloha, and I'm telling you, Alabama would just be rolling now. You guys know it. You've seen it in the spring game, and I think any Bama fan listening, it's like, man, this – I can't wait till this tongue of Aloha uh, gets in the lineup. So that's probably the most unfortunate thing about this is that, uh, yeah, Alabama could be a whole different team with that kid in there, but I, I have to agree with one point Justin brought up. Hertz is basically holding back this Crimson Tide offense, best running backs in the nation, two receivers that are easily going to play in Ridley. And then that uh, uh, Judy coming up out of nowhere. He's, he's a really talented player too. So it, I, I think I'll have to give the edge. Um, I'll give the edge to Clemson again. I, I just love that defensive line. I still think that uh, whole group, Austin Bryant, Lawrence, Wils, uh, Wilkins, and then my guy, Cleveland Farrell, uh, redshirt sophomore, who knows what he's going to do as far as draft eligibility. But I, I would argue mm-hmm. to say all four of those starting for Clemson, those are first rounders guys. So I'm, I think they rule the roost, low-scoring game here, and uh, Clemson just Clemson pulls it out again. Hmm. Well, oh, with that being said, <laughs> with that being <laughs> said, gentlemen, our listening audience is going to be curious to know, and well, I, I just need a one-word answer here. Um, college football playoff champion in 2018 is Justin? Ugh, Clemson. Clemson. Joe? Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Two words. <laughs> Bake. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to go Oklahoma, too, surprisingly. So we shall see. But, again, I think any team here can win it. Now, we've got about five minutes left or so left to go on the show. NFL Draft Bayball Radio each and every week. It's a new show. Please subscribe, click it, share it, like it. I uh, left a few minutes here on the back end because, Joe, I know you got a little something-something you want to get off your chest here, so the stage is yours. I'm providing you the platform. Please let the people hear it. I, I think the, the, the things are starting to change in San Francisco, and you all know it. The, Mr. Jimmy Garoppolo, they've got a pillar now in, in the Bay Area, and 
Now you've got to wonder about the New England Patriots losing that kid, Jimmy Garoppolo, and what this means for the future. Uh, but clearly, for the 49ers now, like the entire team walks differently to work. They drive differently to work. They shower differently. Dogs can smell confidence oozing from their pores, and they're not even Jimmy Garoppolo. They just play on the same team as the kids. So I just can't speak highly enough to what we've seen. The footage, uh, things are changing for for San Francisco, clearly. There's no doubt about it, and there's a reason they're uh, competitive in all these games. I just... uh, I can't believe the Patriots actually made this trade now in hindsight, watching this kid play the footwork. Uh, it's all married to his throwing motion, the intangible qualities. Uh, I think there's a new star in the NFL. I am this short, guys, of getting a 49ers number 10 jersey. I don't think I'll ever do that. I'm going to have to fashion a T-shirt in his likeness. But this is the next great quarterback <laughs> in the NFL, guys. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the wagon early. Jimmy G. It's the Jimmy G factor. <laughs> well, you know, I think we were all a little surprised after his postseason performance from the Shrine game to the Senior Bowl and still not getting drafted, I think, till the second, third round. But uh, devil's advocate, Justin, I'll let you weigh in here before we wrap it up. I mean, hey, if you're Billy Belichick hitting, you know, approaching that 70-year-old mark, uh Tom Brady, 40 years old. Uh, I could see both these guys walking into the uh, sunlight together. So if you're Billy Belichick, who's calling all the shots. Hey, I got no use for Jimmy Garoppolo. I got me another draft pick. I know Belichick loves those second-round draft picks. So do you agree or disagree with Joey? I agree with Joe that Jimmy G is going to be the next thing. I mean, he's clearly you know he's in command of that offense already and he's poised and he's you know controlled under pressure and he throws an accurate ball and it's a quick release but I think you know Belichick is that guy that it's like maybe he is a genius but maybe he let his genius go a little too far thinking you know I have a second round pick here that we developed into something special but you know if I if I can do that with this second round pick why can't I do that with another second round pick or even a first round pick uh, you know, so maybe it was like not cocky, but just thinking, why can't I find another one of these guys? Um, and I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Bill doesn't feel too, you know, he's not too sour about this. So maybe he's like, yeah, I know, I developed him. Like I know what I, I know what I can do, and I can do it again. Um, but I, I don't know if I agree with that. But th- those are just my thoughts because you know, I, like I'd be pretty pissed off right now if I, if I were him, watching how quickly Jimmy G has come along. You know, and I think someone tweeted the other day, I'm taking Jimmy G over Carr, and someone immediately responded like, duh. I mean, it's four <laughs> games in, and you can tell that this kid's going to be pretty damn good. Why are you always jabbing the Raiders fans, Justin? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm right, because I was right, and they didn't know. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, you know, if anything, I will say I'm surprised that the Patriots didn't hold out for more ransom. I thought they could have got a lot more, Yeah. especially from some of these quarterback-needy teams. I was a little bit surprised that they did not get more. Uh, but, yeah, 4-0, highly impressive. And, you know, I think we all saw it coming out, and now it's coming to fruition. So, um, <clears throat> last question for you guys. Does anybody think that Belichick will be there beyond Tom Brady, though? Ooh. 
No. No way. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to say no as well. I mean... They, they ride off the sunset together. Yeah, yeah that's so, I mean legacy right there. Yeah, so I, I think there's a little bit to do with that, too. And, again, you know, probably not the best value, but, you know, Belichick being Belichick. And, hey, it's a win-win. Uh, I think John Lynch had the best quote of all. He said... If we had a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo in Tampa Bay, we would have won three Super Bowls. So (laughs) there's all you need to know. That's true. Um, So it's been another edition of our first edition of the 2018 NFL Draft Bible Radio Show. We're going to be here each and every week banging you and bopping you with the NFL Draft Nuggets that you need to know. It's what we do, baby, since 2002, you know. Hey, listen. NFL.com, ESPN, they got some pretty good podcasts too, but it's mainstream media. Let's be honest. They're talking about first-round guys all day, every day. Over here now, where else are you going to get guys talking about Rock Thomas and Brandon Parker and, you know, guys just across the board, upside down, X, Y, Z, from D3 to the FBS and everywhere in between FCS. So I want to thank uh, Joe Everett, never leaving a stone unturned. Please follow him on Twitter at Joe W. Everett. Of course, you can catch him here on Blog Talk Radio with the Bang the Book podcast as well. Justin Gamble at Gamscout.com, giving the Raiders fans hell at all times. But uh, (laughs) definitely some great NFL draft analysis over there. Of course, we're at NFL Draft Bible. You can always keep your finger on the pulse for everything we do, NFL Draft related. We've got NFL scouting reports daily. We've got player interviews daily. Uh, We've got on-location reports daily. Um, We've got great features just coming up. And, hey, gentlemen, I know we were also going to talk about some of those New Year Day prospects if you want to, you know, if you guys have time and you want to send me over your thoughts on what you're going to talk about in an email, I'll compile, I'll, I'll compile all three of our comments and suggestions and, and post it up on the NFLDraftBible.com. But, you know, for all the people who support what we do over at Parabolic Performance and Rehab, Premier Athlete Advisors, check out the BSN, Beyond Sports Network uh, Scouting Combine, we are going to bring the heat in Indianapolis, that's for sure. We're just getting started with that. I'm going to, you know, be putting that out to the masses. We have an email blast going out tomorrow. Uh, I'll have my edge rusher preview, all the best pass rushers in college football that are eligible for the upcoming 2018 NFL draft. Can't stop, won't stop, baby. Nobody's doing it better than we do. I could promise you that. 17th draft cycle. Uh, Not too many websites can claim that. So, for Justin Gamble, Joe Everett, Rick Saratella, RIC in a place to be. Always telling it like it is when it comes to the NFL draft. We'll be back next week and we'll work on getting a little intro, outro introduction going on because, hey, it's not official until we do that. So, the next time, everybody, appreciate you for listening.